we meet again at last. The circle is now complete. What's the world coming to? Well, you got a problem with what I did, Anthony? Oh, no. Hey, no. Fucking rat, anyway. So family's all rats. rats. Could have brought to be a rat. Yeah, I'm real sorry your mom blew up, Ricky. Now you're gonna dig the fucking thing. You're gonna dig the hole. You're gonna do it. I got no fucking line. You're gonna fuck this. I think the fucking hole. I don't give a fuck. I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was pure and simple. Jesus Christ. Mister, you okay in there? Ah, put some vintage coffee around here someplace. Do you have any idea what the cost of your actions is? What their effect might be? Are you to give them hope? What do you give them? We give them happiness. And they give us authority. What's going on, friends? William Myers and Henry Harvey and Howie Hill here for Cinefellas Podcast, episode 57. How are you doing tonight, boys, the, the Hill Triplets? Well, the Hill Triplets are waiting outside a big race for some barbecue and an oil change. Just anticipating to getting our fingers greasy. So how was your holiday, my friend? Really good, man. Had some good family time. Uh, got to watch some Christmas-themed movies and shows and whatnot with my son and yeah, just had a real good time. My dad got to come out and visit. We watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood together. It was his first viewing. Um, so that was wow. pretty fun just, see, you know, being there for him to experience the movie and for me to get another viewing. I think that was the third time I watched it. I just love it every more every time I watch it. Um, uh, it's just I, I, Quentin Tarantino puts you there in 1969 in California there with the Charles Manson murders. And, yeah, just never lets you go. It's a great movie. Love all the performances, the music, and especially that ending just beats your ass. I looked over, my dad's like leg was shaking during that whole last sequence. He was all like, "Really? <laughs> yeah." Wow. Um, when that's when cool. Brad Pitt throws the can and it hit like it starts off that crazy scene, like it binks across her face, and then he starts, you know, grabs grabs the other girl by her hair and slams her into the into the fireplace and <laughs> just against the brick, just so brutal. Uh, but yeah, he was, after the movie, he was like, well, that was, uh, he was like, that was unique or that was different. <laughs> that was his, re- <laughs> that was his reaction to the whole thing. And, you know, I'd kind of have to agree it's different, a different, uh, twist on the whole story that everybody knows. Uh, Quentin Tarantino with one of my favorite films of the year, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So anyways, after that long winded diatribe there. I had a good holiday. How was yours, man? What all did you do? And I saw you got a lot of movies under the Christmas tree this year, didn't you? Oh, yeah, man. It was it was a great holiday. Um, we had my son up until Christmas Eve, so spent a lot of time with him going bowling and did a bunch of fun stuff when looked at Christmas lights and things like that. And we did Christmas with him on Christmas Eve, and then after we dropped him off, we had a good family time here. Christmas, um, we opened presents, got a lot of great stuff, got some new lights for Cinefeld Studios. Got a new director's chair, which is really cool. The Batman chair is awesome. Love that chair. Yeah, the Batman chair. Yeah, I got two chairs. I got the director's chair I'm, I'm going to use for the videos, and then the Batman chair just for, like, gaming and, like, editing upstairs. But it's really fucking comfortable. I absolutely love it. It's from Secret Labs. Shout out to them for putting out really great products. 
Love the chair. Yeah, it's like your Bruce Wayne every time he said in it. That's cool. You I know. got the director's chair. Cinefellow Studios coming together at your place. Yeah, I know. I've, I've wanted one for a long time. I think I'm going to get it personalized where you can get, like, Cinefellows or your name on it. Right now it's just black, but it's, awesome. it's super comfortable. The videos look cool. So really good uh, present for Christmas. Got a bunch of movies and uh, some steel books. I got Halloween 3 Season of the Witch by Scream Factory. Awesome. It's been on my list for, you know, since they put that out. That was my favorite one I got in terms of movies. I got um, John Wick, Steelbook, a bunch of 4Ks, like Alien 40th Anniversary. You got me Twin Peaks, which is fucking badass the entire <laughs> series, all three seasons. Can't wait to yeah. watch those again. Um, just a lot of great movies. The holidays were good to the Cinefellas, it sounds like. We both got yeah. some good movies. Yeah, I forgot to mention you got me John Wick 1, 2, and 3 on 4K. Awesome, yeah, awesome gift. Now I have the three. I uh, can't wait to revisit those movies. Yeah, nonstop action. Really fantastic films. We're going to watch those, rewatch those sometime. Um, but, yeah, I'm glad you like them. It's going to look beautiful in 4K. Those are movies you have to have in 4K just because of the cinematography. Those movies are amazing. I'm so happy to add them into my collection. And, uh, yeah, surprised I hadn't got them by, uh, by now, but uh, – yeah, anyways, I'm thankful for, for those movies. I can't wait to rewatch them. And we're coming into 2020, and we have a lot of movies and TV shows to look forward to, especially at the beginning here of the of the winter months into uh, March. There's a lot of stuff going to be coming out. What's uh, something you're looking forward to that's going to be coming in the new year here? 2020? Um, in terms of movies, I would have to go with The Gentleman, Guy Ritchie's return to the kind of English-Irish mafia Heist films, what he's known for, what he's good at. That's got an all-star ensemble. You have Hugh Grant from Beautiful Boy. Ooh, you know, <laughs> and then um, and we got Matthew McConaughey. My <laughs> play of Texas Oil Baron or something. Yeah, exactly. That comes out January yeah. 24th. That's coming up here in a month. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, I, I, you know, I'm just kind of tired of the guy, Richie, over-the-top CGI flicks. Want him to return to what he's good at making, you know, these high flicks. Really looking forward to that and seeing this cast all together. The trailers look really good. For sure. I'm all into, all, you know, getting getting those uh, awesome actors together for a movie, kind of old style. I, yeah, I can't wait to see his return into the, the crime genre. He always makes cool films when he focuses on what he does best and most. That's that kind of gritty movie that he makes. You know, Lock Stocks, Two Smoking Barrels, Snatch, exactly. You know, it's just yeah, the top action. It's always awesome. And one thing that always stood out to me uh, in terms of Guy Ritchie is his, like, editing, like, the super fast shots of them, like, fighting and cutting. Yeah. And, like, cut to the next person. I don't know. I always just love that rawness to it. It feels like you're right. actually in a fight with these people. I don't know. It has a unique style to his filmmaking, so it's great to see him return to that. Vinny Jones just launches in with his head, does a crazy headbutt, blood flies everywhere. Oi! Get bloody out of you. It's always all, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Gritty as hell, people's teeth flying out. <laughs> so hopefully this. Yeah, I think Colin Farrell's in this too. He's like the perfect sleazeball for that sort of Guy Ritchie film, so I can't wait to see his performance. Of course, with him, you know, he's going to be playing the yeah. Penguin in the Batman movie, so. He's uh, going to be yeah. killing it here these next few years. Yeah, he's a really good actor. He chooses, you know, his projects wisely. Um, he was in a great A24 flick oh, a year or two ago. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to him playing this role in this movie. We got Charlie Hunnam, Jackson Teller. Hey, Jax, you see Jackson Gemma? Teller. He doesn't he, – he can finally just talk normally. He doesn't have to hide his British accent. 
Right, which <laughs> I try to that. anyway. Yeah. Yeah, he can talk <laughs> normally. It's really yeah. cool. And it's, it's good to see him working with Guy Ritchie again. He was in um, King Arthur. King Arthur. Wasn't, yeah, it wasn't terrible. It was pretty good. Just I never got around to watching that, but I, I probably should just to get ready for the new Guy Ritchie movie. King Arthur. Wasn't Jude Law in it, too? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So. Uh, that's one I'm looking forward to. What do you, what do you got on your list for movies coming out? So did you say that was the 27th that comes out? 24th. 24th. Okay. Yeah. I don't, I, I just did a quick like run through as on a few sites. So some of the movies I feel like that are coming out, I don't even have on my list, but um, I'll just, let's see, just to name a few that are coming out within, you know, the first couple months, bad boys for life, the third bad boys film. I mean, I'm not too big of a fan or anything, but I think I did end up seeing the second one at the movies. They're always pretty fun, like Michael Bay over the top, Will Smith and Martin Lawrence sort of roasting each other the whole movie, and, you know, there's over-the-top action. So the third one will be coming out on the 17th, and then also on the 17th you got Robert Downey Jr. Uh, as Dr. Doolittle. The film's called Doolittle. Looks like him and a bunch of CGI animals. Um, I don't know what to think about it. I'm not really interested in it. Looks like, you know, it could be a decent family movie, I suppose, but nothing I'm too excited for. Um, you know, I like Yeah, I'll probably take Bodhi to see it, but I'm not too excited about it either. It comes out January 17th. Right. Yeah. So, like, the first big movie that I'm pretty excited for that will be coming out is Birds of Prey, which is February Ooh, yeah. on my on my list. Uh, yeah, that looks awesome, doesn't it? Margot Robbie, and then you have, like, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Uh, I think uh, who else is in that? Rosie Perez is in it. And mm-hmm. uh, Ewan McGregor, I think, plays the villain, uh, Black Mask. The villain, so that, yeah. Yeah, looks pretty cool. Um, it looks like they're going away from the Suicide Squad kind of film as far as the feel of that, and it looks like more comedic and action-packed, probably more gritty, and just with an all-female or, a, you know, a female-led cast. So I think it looks pretty interesting. Yeah, just from the little glimpse we got of the, the movie, it looks pretty solid. They're using a lot of vibrant colors. It looks like raw. It looks like, like a very New York City-looking Gotham. Um, and this this film, you have uh, Black Canary, Huntress, Renee Montoya, and I guess the villain is going to be Black Mask, which I'm not familiar yeah. with. Yeah, you and McGregor. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, I wasn't familiar with that one. So, yeah, that's pretty much the ensemble. The cast is directed by Kathy Yan. So February 7th, I'm really excited for that. I, I actually like Suicide Squad. I thought she was really good in that role in that movie. It was definitely the best best part of that film. Yeah, she's a good actress, too. She's doing a lot of great stuff. So I can't wait to see her uh, reprising the Harley Quinn character and <laughs> just going balls to the wall crazy. Yeah, you're right. She is a really good actress. Uh, of course, when she played Tanya Harding, that was probably her best movie, in my opinion, that I've seen her. Um but then, yeah, of course, she played Sharon Tate in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. She was really good in that role, too. Really, uh, you know, really inhabited Sharon Tate. And I thought that her, uh, a nice, like, uh, it was a nice uh, tribute to Sharon Tate as far as her performance. Like, she seemed real happy and, like, carefree. And it really made you think back to what actually happened and, like, how Sharon Tate's life was cut short. So I thought it was a nice performance as far as that. She didn't have a lot of lines, but it was just, like, the performance. Um, in that movie. So, yep, Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn and Birds of Prey. That'll be February 7th. And then a week later, Sonic the Hedgehog comes out. 
uh, February 14th. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, a game that I grew up with. I mean, I got a Sega when I was, you know, a young young man growing up. It was my first uh, big gaming system that I got, and Sonic the Hedgehog was always the big game. So at first they released the initial trailer, and uh, the fans were up in arms because Sonic – looked different than he did in the game. Like, they changed a bunch of stuff and made him look – it was different, and uh, all the fans complained. So they basically redid the whole thing. They redid Sonic character. Um, so they made him look better, more like the game. Then, of course, you have uh, Jim Carrey playing Dr. Robotnik, the villain in it, which <laughs> he looks – it looks pretty cool from the trailer as far as how I remember him looking from the game with the big mustache and acting crazy. Um, this film, you know, I'm not – I'm not going to run out and watch, but it's cool that they made it. And hopefully it does well enough. Hopefully it's like turns into a good movie, but can't say that I'm expecting too much from it. You know, <laughs> I was looking here, other movies uh, that are coming out actually in the same fantasy same. Island. No. Oh yeah. It looks okay. But I'm not expecting much from that movie. They basically go to an Island fantasy Island. People start dying yeah. is what you could expect from a movie like that. It looks okay. I don't yeah. think I'm going to go see it in theaters. I'll probably wait till it's out. But I was thinking uh, the other movie that's coming out February 14th, I'm excited for the Kingsman, man, Kingsman, the, the prequel to the Kingsman. So that's pretty sweet. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that comes out February 14th. We have uh, Matthew Vaughn uh, returning to direct the film. And it looks pretty solid just from uh, the trailers. Uh, what is that guy's name? I'm to- totally drawing a blank. Ralph Fiennes. Ralph Fiennes, yep. Uh, Yep, yeah, he's uh, in the new film. It's a prequel. I'm not sure exactly what year it takes place in, but uh, just from the trailers alone, it's going to be good. You know it's going to be action-packed, a lot of great sequences of them fighting, a lot of great camera shots, too. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, those movies are definitely known for their over-the-top, like, uh, you know, designed action pieces with the slow motion and the, the music, like the church scene in the first one. And uh, Oh, man, yeah, that's like one of, one of the greatest shots ever. I love that. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, crazy scene. <laughs> like, how do they pull that off? But uh, yeah, so they got the prequel coming out. Looks pretty solid. February fourteenth, my friend. Yeah, yeah, boys. I'm looking on my list, and uh, the big one that I'm seeing pop out to me next is A Quiet Place Two, March twentieth. So it's finally coming out. The sequel. Uh, this the sequel is going to star. Again, of course, it's going to star Emily Blunt and the kids. Uh, John Krasinski won't be back starring, but he's directing. Killian Murphy is uh, the the other big name that I noticed that's uh, going to be in this film. So I'm interested to see what his uh, sort of character will be like. Is he going to be, you know, a bad guy that they're going to run into, or is he going to be a sympathetic character? Because, you know, he can play both. He's a good actor. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that movie and seeing what uh, story uh, he, John Krasinski came up for this one, you know, to keep it going. Because I think he only had the story for one when he made one, and he didn't write the sequel until actually after the first one's success in the theater. Yeah, I really love that movie. It's one of my favorites of the year, for sure. And I'm, like, with you, interested to see where the story goes, what happens next. You know, you have the mother and the kids, because Krasinski died in the first one. Spoiler. Yeah. So it's like, what's the family going to do? How are they going to survive moving forward? And she has a baby, too. For sure. A lot of suspense. And, um, yeah, I'd guess that Killian Murphy is going to be he's going to be part of, like, a you know, another gang going around. Probably probably the big, like, you know, uh, villain outside of the monster, outside of the monsters, you know. I'm sure that, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. How do you travel with a baby and you have to keep quiet all the time? <laughs> 
yeah, muzzle it all right. the time or what? It's kind of, I'd, you know, if I was in reality, it'd be so stressful. I'd probably just give up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, you know, the way I look at it, it's like original. You don't see movies like that. You have these like sort of alien monster creatures and, uh, they feed off, you know, people making noise how they find you. So it's like, how do you, how do you, how are you silent? How do you pull that off? It's, it's, I don't know. I just thought it was a cool premise. Um, I haven't seen something like that before. Oh yeah, definitely. He put a new spin on the genre. Um, and yeah, it was just well acted. It was real tight and focused on the family. Um, and then, you know, we saw the monsters, but it didn't reveal them, you know, fully until the end. I thought they were pretty cool. So yeah, we'll have to see how, how that story continues. I'm excited for it for sure. April 3rd, The New Mutants is scheduled to be finally coming out. We're supposed to get a trailer here pretty soon. Um, I know there's been a lot of problems with it behind the scenes, so that's never never a good sign. What's the point? Because they're taken over by, what, Disney, Fox. Yeah. So, like, how are they even putting this out? I thought, like, all those movies were a no-go. Yeah, I do know what you mean. Yeah. That's definitely like, they, something to think about. Film it? Is it still under yeah. the Fox banner or is it under Disney, you know? I'm not sure, yeah. I don't know how that works. I don't know if it was, like, you know, grandfathered in from before or moving forward. Yeah, I'm not sure. I know that you yep. know, Disney was talking about doing Deadpool 3, and I think they're going to, I don't know, from what I saw, the rumor was they were going to try to make it R, they were going to keep it R, so maybe they will have wow. a little subset of movies that are, they're going to start doing a few R-rated here and there. Yeah, you know? they're not going to be all just like kid-oriented, they're going to be aimed at adults with R-rating. I'm not really that interested anymore, I'm just like, I, I don't care. <laughs> like, you got yeah. a trailer, I'll check it out, but I'm not really that excited to see it and i'm sure it's not great either so it's like anna taylor joy um from split and she was in the latest peaky blinder season uh, who else is in it charlie heaton right is one of the charlie heaton from Williams. stranger things yeah. uh, macy williams from uh game of thrones oh that's right yeah it looks i don't know from what i've seen like the footage it, like look it looks reminds me of like an old like 80s nightmare on elm street kind of dark yeah kind of look but I don't, yeah, as far as the quality or anything, I couldn't really tell where they were going from the trailers or anything, what kind of, uh, you know, what kind of theme, what feeling it would give me during the movie. I don't know what they were going for. If it was supposed to be straight horror or just like, you know, song or, yeah, I don't know. Guess we'll find out with a new trailer, get a better sense of how the film's going to be. But yeah, I guess I get that from the pictures they released. It does feel like a Nightmare on Elm Street kind of vibe. 80s kind yeah. of slasher, darker tone to it, but yeah, we'll see. I'm not too excited, but maybe my mind will ch change after watching the trailer. For sure. I'll give it a shot. We'll see how it looks. Um, but yeah, so that's April 3rd that is scheduled. And then uh, the next, the following week, the final Daniel Craig Bond is coming out, No Time to Die. Uh, so that'll, Rami Malek's going to be the villain in that. Fresh off of Mr. Robot, I think Mr. Robot just finished up its series run, so it'll be his first film after his, you know, great role as Freddie Mercury in Bohemian Rhapsody. So that's pretty cool that he's going to be the villain this time. We saw saw a glimpse glimpse of his character in the movie. He sort of wears like a Phantom of the Opera type mask. So see yeah, how cool. the see what the story is. Yeah, there's always cool Bond villains. So hopefully his will be will rank up towards the top of Bond villains. February 28th, we have The Invisible Man coming out, starring Elizabeth Moss. It's directed by Lee Winnell, uh, put out by Blumhouse. 
and obviously it's a reimagining reboot of the Universal Studios movie that came out back in the day, and uh, it seems like it's a different take. Um, we have the actor from The Hunting of Hill House who's playing the Invisible Man in this film. Not sure what that guy's name is, but um, he's really great in that show, Hunting of Hill House, and him playing the Invisible Man looks to be pretty good. It looks pretty dark, um, and just for my first reaction of the tra- trailer, I definitely enjoy it, so... I'll check it out. That comes out February 28th, so it comes out in two months. The Invisible Man. What do you think about that? I think it looks dope, dude, yeah. Um, solid solid actor, uh, whatever that dude's name is. Yeah, he's really solid in Haunting a Hill House. Um, and Elizabeth Moss, who's always awesome. You know, Mad Men is what she started out with that we know, and then she did Handmaid's Tale. Um, yeah, it just looks like a different pers- – it looks like from, like, the wife's perspective, like the Invisible Man. Uh, kind of, you know, goes crazy and he finds out a way to go invisible and he sort of stalks. It looks like he's going to be stalking her throughout the film. So, uh, yeah, it looks really cool. A really cool, like, I'm imagining, reimagining, should I say. Um, hopefully it does well and it, they can kick off this monster universe that they've been talking about. Hopefully they can, you know, bring something new to it and, uh, make some cool old classic, uh, monster films. Right. That'd be a great, introduction to Blumhouse, I think doing a whole like universe of monsters compared to Universal that already fucked it up. You know, right. with the, the mummy and everything else. I'm like, this would be cool. This would be perfect for Blumhouse. They're doing, you know, Halloween and they're probably gonna do other franchises, Friday the thirteenth Nightmare and Elm Street eventually. But it would be awesome if they from here they do like the Wolfman or Dracula or Frankenstein. I think that'd be sweet. Time all time in together, you know? Oh, for sure, man. Yeah. It's as many uh, franchises that Blumhouse can sweep up, I'm all for it. If they want to scoop up um, Friday the 13th, I can't wait. You know they can make a really awesome Friday the 13th movie. They just need to, Blumhouse needs to produce. They need to get a good director, you know, make Jason Voorhees look how he, how he did classically, maybe even set it back in the 80s to start with, and then sort of bring the franchise forward, bring it, you know, to 20, where we are now, going into 2020 make it modern, they can make that franchise work. I mean, they already made how many of her films of that franchise. They can keep that going. Same thing with Nightmare on Elm Street. You know, I know there's also been talks of bringing back the Scream franchise. So if if any if any horror production, uh, you know, production company is going to do it, it's going to be Blumhouse. So, yeah, like you said, hopefully they can turn this, like, the Universal Monsters um, into stuff, and hopefully Invisible Man will start things off, and then they can get, like, a cool – you know, a Wolfman, Dracula, Frankenstein, those classic monsters. Creature of the Black cool. Lagoon. Yeah, Creature of the Black Lagoon, exactly. Yeah, that'd be badass. I could really see them, you know, moving this in the right direction. I think, you know, kicking it off the Invisible Man. That's one That's one of the characters I don't remember. That's a movie I need to rewatch. I haven't seen it in a long time. I know the original came out in 1933, which is obviously a long time ago. So I'm going to see how they're going to their take on on this film in 2020, you know, all these years later. I think that they hired the right guy, too. We have Lee Winnell coming off of, you know. Oh, man. Hell, yeah. Working on all this, you know, the with James Wan. He was working on, I think he did Saw with James Wan. He did the Conjuring movies. Um, so yeah. he's worked closely with that. So And then, of course, he had Upgrade, exactly, that awesome movie, which I need to watch again. I Watched it once and always meant to rewatch it right after and just never got to it. But yeah, that reminds me. I really want to watch that movie again. Pretty awesome. Yeah. So yeah, that's a that's what they need to do for these films. Get like a good up and coming, 
um, you know, not yet fully established director and give them a shot at these movies. I think that, you know, they're hunger to make a good film or a cool film and to break out into the industry that can make, you know, some of these awesome uh, uh, horror films and even make some original ones too. You know, Sam just, we need more horror in general. So I'm all for it. Another movie I'm excited for uh, comes out on my birthday, March 6th of 2020. Uh, Dan Scanlon's new film, Onward, the new Pixar film. We love Pixar here because we got kids and we watch these movies all the time, but it looks pretty good. <laughs> like a tale of two teenage elf brothers um you know i was trying to think who does the voice yeah it's tom holland chris, chris pratt, pratt and tom holland yeah yeah yep so it looks pretty good from the trailers i'm excited for this i'll come out on my birthday i'll definitely go take my kid to see it so always excited for new pixar they always put out great animated films always the latest best animation for sure yeah onward onward looks great looks pretty cool looks original um We'll see how the see how the reviews go, and we'll see how it does at the box office. But uh, you know, Pixar is here to stay, so eventually it's going to land on Disney Plus. And um, you know, if I can't make it to the theater, I'll just watch it in watch it in the comfort of my own home in a couple months when it's out. Yeah, those Pixar and Disney boys really know how to animate. So looking forward to May first, Marvel's next film in the next phase of films to kick it all off. Black Widow. How is she back, though, you ask? She died. Spoilers! In Avengers Endgame. She's back, though. Here's a hint. It takes place before all that stuff. And Florence Pugh plays her sister in the film. They're Russian. There's bad Russian accents. There's awesome fighting sequences. David Harbour joins the cast. Um, I can't remember his character's name. But uh looks pretty cool from the trailer. I mean, uh, it looks like something that would be pretty entertaining. Can't say Black Widow is one of my favorites or anything, but uh, I, I don't have any doubts that they're going to make a good a good film over at Marvel, you know, even with even from that character. No, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I love all the Marvel movies. Obviously, we're a little burned out of them, but we've had some time to uh, to recuperate. It's been what? It's going to be about yeah, almost a year since we haven't had a Marvel movie, so it's going to be exciting to uh, you know revisit these characters, see where they're at. I see how bad they're at, uh, you know, impersonating Russians. Hello, my name is Natalia. <laughs> <laughs> right. All the bad oh, Russian well. actions, but it's cool. I'm excited. You know, the action. It's a really great cast. I love all the actors, actresses in the movie. And it's the start of phase four for the MCU, so I can't wait to see where they go from here. Marvel is moving forward. We have Kumail Nanjiani. Everybody knows is the Indian nerd from Silicon Valley getting jacked to play his Eternals. Yeah, he did. Well, he's been working with the best trainers that Marvel can buy. Probably got man, some roids in yeah. there, a little mix of roids, but yeah, he's definitely ripped. Yeah, he looks great, man. I'm like, whatever trainer he has, I want that one. I just get jacked. How would you How would you rate him, Sport? I see you saw those thirsty pics he posted. <laughs> thirsty pics. <laughs> that was the first time of my life. I'll give that a six out of five. <laughs> Uh, for real, yeah, he he got ripped, man. Compared, especially they showed some comparison pics to when he was just like really nerdy and skinny and just yeah, there wasn't any muscle on him. So, props to him for working out and doing putting in the work, man. We got another superhero movie just around the corner, Wonder Woman 1984, starring Mando Pedro Pascal as the villain whose name I can't see, but I should type it up here and tell you the name of the villain that he plays. But yeah, the Wonder Woman 1984, Patty Jenkins is back. It looks like it's uh, 
a bunch of 80s goodness. We got fanny packs, big hair, neon lights. We got Chris Pine uh, in this, you know, in the future from the last time we saw him, and he looks clueless about everything. Like, what's that? And it's like a self. It's like a big phone, like the big phones they had in the day, like Zach Morris phones. Um, so yeah, and then you have Kristen Wiig as the cheetah. I don't really know anything about these comics, so don't ask me either. But uh, it looks pretty cool. Pedro Pascal looks like he's uh, like a rich, rich uh, prick that's going to be. I don't know what, what he has against Wonder Woman, but he's the villain. That trailer is pretty cool, though. The, the, you know, it was a trailer set to Orgies Blue Monday. Yeah. It wasn't Orgies. Good... Who was it uh, initially? Who New Order. Song? New, New Order. Order. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> right. On, New Order. Yeah, I know. For some reason, I was thinking of that shitty 90s man. <laughs> Orgy. Yeah, Pedro Pascal looks pretty good on that. He's like... Welcome to my glorious penthouse. We have complimentary cocaine. Snip it off. Where's Tony, my cousin, Tony Montana? It looks good. I love how they're going back to 1984. Obviously, I love that um, period for music and movies and pop culture. Everything looks fantastic. But uh, the last podcast, we're talking about this uh, with Niall. You know, everybody's doing the, the retro thing now. They're going back to the 80s and TV yeah. shows and movies, which is getting a little... Old at this point, but yeah. I think yeah, I think Wonder Woman 1984 looks pretty solid. I will definitely be checking that out in theaters. Pedro Pascal's villain's name in the movie is Maxwell Lord um, from the comics. So yeah, pretty interesting. You're right though. Yeah, everybody's doing the 80s nostalgia. It's gonna get we're gonna be burnt out here pretty quick. We had Stranger Things. Need to think of some new ideas, people. Going going to some other timelines if you have to. How about just make up some original storylines where it's present day, just make up a good story. We don't need it to go back to the 80s every time or go back to the 90s. Nostalgia nostalgia is good, especially, you know, uh, you know, with certain projects. Of course, Star Wars that just came out was really full of nostalgia, but not everything has to, like, harken back to a different time just to make it cool. Um, but hopefully the film is good. Patty Jenkins is back. The first one was good, so... I'm down to watch uh, Wonder Woman 1984. And then a film that Uncle Logan, it's got to be near the top of his list, list, or if not the top film he's looking forward to next year. What is it, boys? You, you tell us, Uncle Logan. What is it? What's coming out on June 26th? I feel the need, the need for speed. Yes! Oh! We're talking about... Maverick. Oh, Iceman. Watch out, Goose. You're going to crash. But yeah, super excited for Top Gun Maverick <laughs> coming out 2020 summer. It's gonna be kicking off the summer blockbusters. Uh, man, the aerial shots in this movie look badass. I still don't really know what the fuck the movie's about, but um, yeah, we see mm-hmm. Maverick, Tom Cruise. All these years later, he could he could have been a, you know higher up in the Navy, but he just chose not to. He didn't want any of the political bullshit. But uh, it's gonna be exciting He's- to see that and Miles Teller playing. What does he play? What's his name in the movie? Not Goose, but... Uh, Rooster. Rooster. <laughs> Rooster. A bunch of other actors. Jennifer Connelly's in that. It looks pretty good. And it looks like they do a uh, homoerotic volleyball scene again, so that's pretty cool. Oh, yeah, I know. I love that shot in the trailer with Miles Teller doing that little head wiggle with, like, his dog tags on and, like, basically suntan oil, like, from one from one end to the other. They're like playing yeah. beach volleyball on the sunset. <laughs> Those chiseled abs. Come on. 
those boys are going to get wild in that film. Yeah, like you said, uh, the camera works looks awesome. It looks like obviously they're up there flying next to these jets as they were flying too. And they actually put all these like actors through uh, flight school, which is cool to kind of like get them. So they had to have the real feel of pulling all those G's. So like that little making of five minute making of um, video on YouTube, you guys should check out. It's really cool. Shows how, you know, Tom Cruise actually pulled like eight G's and it shows his face as he's going up and dropping and it looks intense. Um, from what I can gather, as far as the story, he obviously something's going to bring him back here, whether it's so – I'm guessing it's going to be something to do with uh, Goose's son, Rooster, played by Miles Teller, I'm sure. Something's going to come back. But, uh, yeah, we saw, like, the nostalgic shots hearkening back to Top Gun 1. Of course, he's got the crotch rocket again racing down the runway. Jennifer Connelly's coming in to play the babe this time since the – since that lady in the first one, you know, time hasn't been on her side. We'll put it that way. She's not back in the new film. So, uh, but, uh, yeah, I can't wait. Uh, you think they're going to use the Kenny Loggins song again? Yeah, I know they are. Some part of the movie. I know they're gonna fucking play. I'm gonna be so excited. We should go see that together. Me, you, and Cherry. <laughs> Michael go to yeah. It's like Mike and Cherry's like when they got like a big screen TV and speakers. They like put that put that Blu-ray or DVD. I can't remember what it was at the time, but they put that in like full blast at the beginning where the jets are taking off and they play Danger Zone. Yeah, and your old man was in the Air Force, wasn't he? So it probably means he's yeah. more to you. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He was a mechanic. Worked on the planes. Couldn't tell you which awesome. ones because I'm not like a, a, you know, like a plane expert or anything like that. The jets, yeah. anything like that. Yeah. But yeah, he did. He was in the Air Force six years. That's what he did. Yeah, like an Army brat kind of. Yeah. Air Force brat. <laughs> Air Force brat. Yeah, first five years of my life. Lived in the Philippines. Lived in Tacoma, Washington for almost thirty years. Lived down in Arkansas. Went to Georgia. Um, a few other places too. I don't even honestly remember, but Philippines and. Washington were the two big places we lived. And then, uh, yeah, big part of my life. We love watching that, you know, when I was growing up. My dad's like, yeah, that's that one good, you know. I remember working on that. Even though the movie is <laughs> Navy. In the movie, they're in the Navy, yeah. not Air Force. Yeah. But um, right. I'm at the same thing. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Like, we both have that in common as far as our dads, too, because like, my dad used to work on, uh, you know, he's a certified air aircraft mechanic and, He's in the Marines. He didn't fly anything ever, but uh, he he got his pilot's license and he like used to uh, at flight school. He'd take people up and teach them how to fly. He finally got the boot one time when he was up in the air and um, was smoking a cigarette. <laughs> and the guy, the pilot, the guy that he was training, told on him. So <laughs> that was the end of his pilot, uh, you know, flight instructor days there. And then eventually he wanted to be like a pilot with an airline, but it was when he went out for those jobs, it was, you know, when all those uh, big airlines weren't hiring and there was sort of like a, all the jobs were being lost. I think it was in the 70s or late 60s, early 70s during that time. So he never became a pilot, which is good. I mean, must Vietnam, luckily. Otherwise, who knows what happened. So, yeah, Top Gun, Maverick. He, oh, yeah, he actually watched the – I showed him the trailer too, and he was talking about it. He said at the end there – 
with that, you know, when it shows Tom Cruise in like that futuristic uh, plane, I think that's the SR-71. Uh, it's like the big crazy, like, you know, how the stealth bomber was, was uh, the really cool airplane back in our day. I guess the SR-71 is like even more high tech and, so I think that's what he's flying at the end there. Yeah, I love that last shot of the trailer. It was fucking sweet over the desert. It's really cool. I know. Yeah, just like it shows all the all the sand and everything, and the guy's hat hat flying off from the plane flying. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was like cool. super cool. I love the way they shot it. And you could tell that Tom Cruise put a lot of love making this happen. You know, it's his passion project. He's been trying to do for since nineteen what eighty four. <laughs> long time. Yeah. Yeah, long time. Finally, it's happened for him. So, yeah, it's definitely cool to see it 30-some 30, 30 years later. That's crazy. Yep. That is right, man. We're both looking forward to that. comes out next summer. We're going to be kicking off the summer blockbuster season. I'm really looking forward to. So, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, I mean, I can talk about a couple of shows that I'm looking forward to this month uh, or this coming month, actually, January 2020. Uh, on Netflix, there's going to be a Dracula TV series that comes out on the fourth. So this Saturday, uh, Saturday the fourth, um, Dracula is going to premiere. Have you seen anything? Have you seen even a preview of any or anything of that? It looks like the actor. No, I haven't. Like Dracula looks pretty similar. To Dracula. No, I haven't. I saw a picture, but I, I saw I saw of it. I didn't really know too much about it either, but uh, it's something to check out and see see if that's a quality show or not. Um, the main one that I'm looking forward to this year, the new series coming on HBO on the 12th of January, is The Outsider, based on the Stephen King. Yeah, that one looks yeah. cool. Jason Bateman and Ben Mendelsohn. How can you go wrong, right? Yep, exactly. Two of our favorites. Hopefully another winning series for HBO. Uh, Watchmen just ended. Let's keep it rolling. Let's go right into The Outsider. Hopefully it's another quality series we can look forward to watching every Sunday. And along with The Outsider, a week later, um, I'm guessing following the second episode of Outsider, is the return of Larry David and Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh, hell yeah. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Season number 10. This takes, like, ordinary life situations and, like, um, just highlights how absurd how absurd some situations can be and like the people you run into situations you get into in life just not even not even putting yourself out in like a weird situation but just like every day like running into somebody like the crazy stuff that can happen and he knows all these celebrities in Hollywood so it's always some scenario where he runs into usually another celebrity um and crazy things happen after that. It's like Sweet D is going to be in the new season again. She was in some of the earlier seasons. Um, what's her name? What's Sweet D's name? I can't think of her. Caitlin right Olsen. Uh, Caitlin Olsen. Right. Exactly. Caitlin Olsen back in it. Uh, yeah, the trailer looks funny. Uh, so I can't wait for the new season. It was runs in the Ted Danson. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know. Ted and Mary. Yeah. And then Jeff Garland is his, uh, his agent. Jeff Garland, yeah. And then, yeah, and then Richard Lewis is another guy that he always runs into. And I'm guessing Super Dave, I don't know if, he probably filmed some stuff before he passed away, maybe. So maybe Super Dave's last performance in this, because he's always 
Um, you know, he's always featured in every season of Kirby enthusiasm at some point or the other. Larry always runs into him. Um, yeah, so it just looks like another funny season, so I can't wait for that. And then the only other thing I have for January is the ranch final season starts on the 24th. So that Hell yeah. I haven't seen any of them, but it's the show I've been meaning to check out. It's just a fun, fun 30 minute show. Uh, it's like a, it's almost like sit county, but it, they cuss in it and stuff. It's really, it's worth checking out, man. It goes by really quickly. Um, if you binge it, especially it wouldn't take long at all. You could binge the whole thing in a couple, couple days if you wanted to. Um, the only thing that sucks is the whole situation with Danny Masterson and what they had to do with his character. So I don't know. Nothing's been talked about as far as the final season, but I'm hoping somehow he'll pop up at least for the finale or something, but maybe not. I don't know. But the whole Me Too thing that happened to him and they booted him from his own show, basically. I mean, he was one of the main people that created the show, so it just kind of sucks to see him get booted from his own thing. But uh, Dax Shepard has been in the later seasons, uh, so yeah, the ranch finally ending. I think it had six, I want to say six seasons overall. Six or seven. So, yep, coming to an end. We'll see what Ashton Kutcher does next. The guy makes does nothing but sign up for stuff that makes him millions of dollars. So, <laughs> who knows if he'll, be, if he'll go back to some movies or if he's going to have another show. I don't know. Is uh, Alicia Cuthbert in that show, The Ranch? Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, – yeah, he mar- I think they got married in the show. Um, yeah, so that's his girl girlfriend in the show. Yep. Huge crush on her in high school. And I loved all the – she was in a bunch of horror flicks in The Girl Next Door back in, like, 2003. Oh, like, yeah. I was going to say, yeah, The Girl her. Next Door is the one I remember. I think she was also in 24, too. 24, she was. She was uh, Jack's yeah. daughter. And then she was in House of Wax remake with uh, well, Paris Holden and a bunch of people. Oh, yeah. I remember that vaguely. I remember it being pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It, it definitely doesn't hold up. But I'll say that. No. All right. Okay. So going into February for TV premieres, one that you're really looking forward to coming to Netflix, Lock and Key. Tell us all about it. What's the What's the main premise? Should we be looking forward to it? Oh man, I'm so fucking excited for this show. One of my favorite graphic novel series of all time, written. Um, created by Joe Hill, which is Stephen King's son. He did Nosferatu as well. And Gabriel Rodriguez, uh, the other creator of, of the, the series, and now they're adapting it for Netflix. Basically, the story is the Locke family. Their father is brutally murdered, like, in the beginning. So they, the family, there's three kids and their mother. They return to their, their family's house in Massachusetts called the Key House after their father was murdered. Um, the kids are Tyler, Kinsey, and Bodie. Bodie is the name of my son. I obviously named him after this character in Lock and Key. That's how much I love it. They return back, um, and they find magic keys that open up doors throughout the house, sets up a lot of supernatural aspects. It has to revolve around this super key called the Omega Key, and it unlocks this door to something. I don't want to say too much, but that's pretty much the setup of the books, and I'm really looking forward to this on Netflix coming out in February. Um yeah, this has been in the making for like two or three years now, so they're finally getting it on Netflix. And I think they're going to do a really good job with this. They uh, released a few teasers online that look pretty cool. They don't give away too much. But, uh, yeah, absolutely excited about this. Who's the main stars in it? I didn't. I haven't looked at any characters. Uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm The one was the lady from The Conjuring. She plays the mom. 
they're conjuring two, that is. Um, the other people, I'm not sure. And, the, yeah, there's a really badass audio book of Black and Key. They had uh, Haley Joel Osment and a bunch of big-name actors that did the voices. Um, uh, what was her name, uh, that actress's name? That She was an orphan black. She did the voice in the audio book. It was really good. I got Molly hooked on it. Yeah, it sounds like it'll be another winner for Netflix, huh? Yeah, for sure. But, yeah, that's um, that's pretty much the setup. Uh, it was a series. Like I was saying, uh, looks like it's only 10 episodes on Netflix coming out February 7th. A couple other premieres to mention uh, in February. We have the return of Homeland. Uh, I think this is going to be the final season. I don't know. Have you kept up with the show or your your no, seasons I'm, behind, I'm like, aren't you? Yeah. Like most, like most shows, I'm like two or three <laughs> seasons behind. I'm not caught up. But this is the right. season. I do know that. Yeah, Saul Berenson. Is that Mandy Patinkin's back. Saul Berenson, Carrie Matheson. Um, they've always had a very cool dynamic. It's what's kept this show alive even past the first season after the main character gets killed off. Um, they've carried this show ever since. And I've been watching. Uh, it's just one of those shows that I, you know, don't watch it when it comes on. But later on, after it's over, I'll binge it and get it over with. Just finish the series within a couple days. So Homeland yeah. will be returning on the 9th of February on Showtime. Uh, the next the next uh, show that I'm really looking forward to um coming back is the second season of Narcos Mexico. It's coming on February 13th and it's dropping on Netflix. The first season of Narcos Mexico is really good. I I put it up there right even uh, with the first season of Narcos, uh, which, you know, followed Pablo Escobar. But uh, Narcos Mexico stars Diego Luna. He plays like a really awesome uh, drug boss. He starts from nothing. He kind of works his way up to the top. Um, Really good actors in it. Really cool how they filmed it. Um, and I believe in the second season they were filming it and somebody got killed, like, making the film with uh, some of the cartel down there. So it's, like, really real, realistic and close to home there. Um, in the first season, Narcos Mexico, Michael Pena um, also starred in it. So if you, if you guys haven't seen Narcos Mexico, I'd highly recommend it, especially if you like movies like Blow, um, Scarface, if you like all the like uh, cocaine documentaries that are on Netflix, you guys will love the show. Really well done. Love the cast. Um, so Narcos Mexico season two, it's also going to star Scoot McNary. Um, he comes in as one of these agents, DEA agents that try to take down Diego Luna's character and all the cartel running all that cocaine out of Mexico. <laughs> so look for that February 13th. And then on the 23rd, at the end of February, we have the return of The Walking Dead. It's the second half of the latest season. Not much to say. There's still zombies. There's still people fighting each other. There's a main character that dies every, you know, usually twice per season. It's show's still going. I don't know. It's, it's not very – it's not as good as it once was, of course. Uh, but uh, they're, they keep making spinoffs. There's going to be another show premiering in the – in the world, as uh, I think it's from the viewpoint of, like, some younger kids. It's a spinoff of The Walking Dead. But, yep, the second half of the latest season of The Walking Dead premieres. And then one that I am looking forward to most is the return of Better Call Saul that's coming on. It'll be on right after The Walking Dead on the 23rd. And then it'll have its second episode the night after on Monday the 24th. And then, and then following that, the third episode will premiere. Um, and following Monday, and then it'll be every Monday um, throughout the rest of the season for Better Call Saul. So really looking forward to Better Call Saul, the latest season. We'll see, you know, we're getting pretty close to Jesse and Walt and 
um, it's the fifth season, so I have a feeling we're going to get learn some more about what's going on with uh, with uh, Saul. Uh, you know, as in the future where he's working at the Cinnabon and everything, where they keep showing us flash forwards at the beginning of the season. I have a feeling that we're going to learn some pretty some pretty cool stuff um, as far as from that. That's got to pay off because they've been teasing that ever since the first season. So I think the show's winding down. I I guess that they'll probably have one more season after this. So the show's going to be wrapping up. And the way it, the last season ended was really awesome. So looking forward to see it pick up from there and just like the total transformation into Saul. Bob Odenkirk's killed it. Um, they've been, done a good job. Um, it's a slow burn, just like a lot of Breaking Bad was a slow burn. But like when things happen, it, it, uh, they pick up real fast towards the end of the season usually. But the acting's awesome. Dialogue's awesome. Love all the actors. So I can't look forward. I can't. Uh, Tell you how much I'm looking forward to Better Call Saul, February 23rd, and then the 24th. And that's all I got as far as TV shows from the first few months of 2020. Yeah, another show that's going to be coming out this year, the second season of The Boys. Love those boys. Going to be returning to Amazon Prime Video. Not really sure sometime later this year, because I know they're wrapped filming on it. They posted a bunch of stuff on Instagram. Uh, but that's one show I'm really looking forward to seeing the second season. And what happens to those wild boys? Yeah, the the boys season one ended on a major cliffhanger. I can't wait to see how it picks up from there. Um, yeah, it was just really well done. I didn't know anything about it before it aired. And you recommended it, and I watched it. And I think I watched the first one, and then I had to binge it after that. Really cool take on the whole superhero genre. I know Garth Hennis wrote the books. He was the guy that did Preacher. So I'm like, I'll give it a chance. I got hooked on it, and I watched like pretty much the whole season for like a day or two. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to see where this goes in the second season with Homelander and the rest of the superheroes. Another show that I'm really looking forward uh, in returning, season three of Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, comes back early this year, 2020. That'll be on Netflix. Sabrina goes to hell this season. This show's really fucking dark. <laughs> and nothing yeah, like yeah. the sitcom on, you know, in the 90s with Melissa Joan Hart. It's more like the comic. Super dark. Uh, Kieran and Shipka is really fantastic in this role. Um, show my wife and I will be watching and binging season three of. Can't wait for that. Hitting Netflix. I know a show that you're really invested and really love. Westworld season three comes back this year on HBO. Yeah, um, can't wait for that. Not sure when that is, but I know it comes back in 2020. Another great show. And then the newest season of Stranger Things is supposed to be returning in the fall of this year. I don't even know <laughs> if that's real or not, but um, supposedly they're going to start filming it. I think in January. So hopefully we'll get another season of Stranger Things hitting the fall time on Netflix. And that's pretty much all I got for TV. I mean, there's a lot of great stuff we've covered in terms of movies and TV shows. A lot of great stuff to watch in the upcoming year. We had a great year in 2019. A lot of fantastic films, especially the last few months, and a lot of great TV shows. And the return of Scorsese and, uh, you know, Breaking yeah. Bad. It was a great year. I'm just looking forward to the next year, 2020, the new decade. A lot of great stuff we're going to be getting on all the different social media platforms. So I'm pretty stoked for that. Lots to look forward to, definitely. Let's see what the new decade brings us. Each decade, some things get better and some things get worse. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how everything plays out and what uh, awesome films they'll have. Movies that we don't even haven't even started talking about that are going to you know, be some of our favorites as time goes on. Looking forward to what's going to come, especially in 2020. Um, Hopefully we get some awesome, awesome things to watch. Mandalorian will be coming back too. 
in the fall. Season two. Um, fall, yep. yep. Cobra Kai should be coming back for another year. Let's see if they get Elizabeth Shue back in there, like they were teasing. Yep. That'd be cool. Oh, yeah, and another show, I think The Witcher, which just premiered, will have another season probably at the end, towards the end of the year. Oh, wow. uh, you know, fan, fantasy show having Henry Cavill play Geralt of Rivia, a monster hunter essentially coming across a few other characters. Um, I, I only played the video games, but I never read the book, so I'm not really too familiar, familiar with the source material, but the games are pretty cool. Essentially, in the show, you have a character named Siri, and then Yennefer. She's like a mage or magician or kind of like witch that has all these powers, and all these characters meet up. And uh really sets up an awesome cliffhanger at the end of the first season. It's a show much like Game of Thrones meets Lord of the Rings, um, and really great action sequences. And Henry Cavill did an excellent job playing Geralt. I thought he was really convincing. I, I love the first season, and it's a show I highly recommend. It's only eight episodes. Um but I'm looking forward to the second season. It's going to be good. Yeah, just from talking to you, you got me to watch it. You know, I was sort of sitting back and waiting to hear how it was. You know, I was going to wait for you to review it, and you gave it the go-ahead. So, yeah, I just watched. ended up watching the pilots um, yesterday. And, yeah, I'm, I'm all in, dude. Like you said, uh, Henry Cavill does a great job in the role. I don't know anything about the story either as far as – so it's kind of hard for me to, you know, know all the characters and everything and – try to figure out everything that was happening within the first episode, but I love the action scenes, especially with all the uh, sword fights and uh, some of the monsters that they showed. It looks like the CGI even was pretty well done. So yeah, I'm, I'm uh, going to watch the rest of the season here. Like you said, only eight episodes, so seven more to go for me. But uh, yeah, it looks like a, looks like a pretty cool show. And like you said, it's like Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones. It's got that feel and uh yeah, I was pretty impressed with the first episode. It's a good show, well-crafted characters, a lot of great action, really um, awesome, like, fantasy aspects to it, you know, like, uh, creatures and things like that. And really cool atmosphere they built for this. And Henry Cavill, it's great seeing him acting again and not in some shitty movie. Uh, he can really right. act. He's a good actor. He's given the right material. And this is definitely he's a, definitely the standout of the show. I agree, yeah. I think it was a project that he... You know, he was enthusiastic about it and he uh, really went after the role. And, uh, yeah, he does a great job um, in the role. So it'll be cool to see his character's arc and what all he's going to have to overcome this season. I'm looking forward to it. My man. I'm also looking forward to Denzel Washington's next film. My man. My man. Do you want to talk about our top ten uh, movies of 2019. I have my list ready. Do you have yours? Yeah, I've got my list. All right, yeah, so I'm going to go down my list of top 10 films of 2019. Really great year for films. A lot of great independent films, a lot of movies probably about 824 um, that I really fell in love with. I'm going to start off from the top would be number 10. For me, James Mangold's return to the big screen. I'm talking about Ford versus Ferrari, Matt Damon, Christian Bale returning. Uh, really Fantastic movie, just the way it was shot. I loved all the, the scenes of them racing, Christian Bale. And Matt Damon had a great chemistry in the movie, playing these two characters. Um, really great ensemble, great soundtrack, and then just everything about it. I love this movie from start to finish. It kept me invested. And um, I really hope that these two actors, you know, work together again because they did a really great job in Ford versus Ferrari. One of my favorite flicks of the year for sure. James Mangold, director. Go see it if you have not checked it out yet. And number nine... It's a whodunit by Ryan Johnson, Knives Out, Knives Out. A ton of people in this movie. I don't want to name everybody, um, but definitely one of the best movies of the year for sure. Murder, mystery, 
taking place with his family. Their father ends up uh, passing away. They're thinking he was murdered, which sets up the rest of the film. Uh, standout performances. Uh, really enjoyed Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Shannon. Uh, Don Johnson was really great in this movie uh, with Keith Stanfield. Uh, the list goes on and on. Chris Evans, I thought, was really great in this movie. And it's a movie that keeps you guessing until the very end. Really great twist at the end. And again, one of the best films of the year for sure. Ryan Johnson, Knives Out. So number eight for me is Jordan Peele's Us. Really great horror flick in Santa Cruz, California, where Henry and I uh, had a re- really romantic getaway a few years back. <laughs> the Inception has been a fella in Santa Cruz, the boardwalk where they film Lost Boys. Uh, definitely one of my favorite flicks of the year. I even liked it better than Get Out. Um, Jordan Peele is a really fantastic director, really great writer. Really well done, creepy-ass movie with Lapita Nanyango as the breakout performance of that film. And that's number eight for me. Best movie of the year. Us. Number seven, uh, this kind of moved around my list a lot since it was released uh, back in the springtime. Avengers Endgame, the the final installment in the third phase of the MCU, it all ends. We see all these superheroes getting together, working together to one of the greatest shots in superhero uh, cinematic history. Really fantastic movie. I love seeing a lot of, you know, the characters that we've been watching since 2008 finally ends for them, hence Avengers Endgame. I'm not going to say too much about that. Uh, But one of the best entries in the MCU for sure. And then 22 or 23 films that it was a great ending to the phase and then opening up the next phase that starts in 2020. The Russo brothers, really fantastic directors, visionaries, and um, I can't believe they pulled pull this off. This movie made a, a ton of money uh, worldwide at the box office and well worth it. It's a movie you don't want to miss and a movie you probably should own in your home collection because it's that damn good. A movie you're going to revisit over and over again. Avengers Endgame. Never heard of it. Number six for me is Robert Eggers' follow-up film, The Lighthouse, starring Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe as two crazy lighthouse keepers that basically go insane, and it doesn't end too well for them in the way that the film is shot, the ratio. It's in black and white. It really builds this claustrophobic feel um, and just a really brutal atmosphere they live in in the storm, and it's raining, it's shitty out, they're stuck in this lighthouse, and you can see they're sent into madness. Uh, you know, towards the end of the film. Just really great movie. I liked it a lot uh, better than The Witch, Edgar's first film. I thought Willem Dafoe was the standout per- performance in the movie, and uh, Robert Pattinson was really great. Loved their thick New England accents, and a movie I'm going to be buying when that comes out. One of my favorites, for sure. The Lighthouse. Uh, number five, <laughs> the highest grossing R-rated film of all time goes to Joker. <laughs> Joker film story, Joaquin Phoenix, probably the best performance of Mr. Phoenix, probably of all time. I think it's better than his Johnny Cash performance, but uh, one of the best films of the year for sure. Highest grossing R-rated. How much money did that make? Billions of dollars? I don't even know the actual numbers. I think it crossed a billion dollars, yeah. You know, a Joker we haven't seen before. I like Todd Phillips' take on the character. Um, Seeing Joaquin Phoenix just really go insane throughout the movie. A lot of surprising scenes in the movie that I would have never guessed, and I just thought the overall movie was fantastic from start to finish. It makes you think, and it makes you feel sad and depressed at the same time, and this all-around, well-rounded, great flick. Number five, Joker. Number four for me is another 824 film, Midsummer, about the the festival and uh, all the bad things that happen to Americans when they go to foreign countries, and they're on drugs, and it doesn't end too well to them. And I don't want to say too much about this movie because I know some people haven't seen it, but to go in with fresh eyes, 
uh, with an open mind and have a good time with it. It's fucking brutal. I mean, the cinematography in this film is, is absolutely beautiful. It's light the entire movie. There's no darkness, which makes the movie even creepier with all these weird things going on in, like, mid-daylight, you know? And, mm-hmm. um, you know, Florence Pugh was the best performance in the movie at Jack Rayner and a bunch of other people in this film. Um, but one of my favorites, for sure, it's a great horror flick, Arya Astor's follow-up film between him and the Safdie brothers and Robert Eggers. I mean, these are really great up-and-coming filmmakers that are putting out great movies of A24. And definitely one of my favorites of the year. So if you haven't seen it, check it out, Midsummer. Number three for me is going to be Mike Flanagan's Dr. Sleep. We just talked about this not too long ago on the Cinefellas podcast. And uh, I love seeing Ewan McGregor playing uh, adult Danny Torrance, you know, just like his father, alcoholic. He ends up finding this girl with the same kind of powers that he has and up back at, you know, the Overlook Hotel and all the craziness ensues from the first movie. You have Rebecca Ferguson playing... uh, Rose the Hat, she was really great as the villain. One of the best villains of the year. And a lot of people didn't go see this, so I was really sad about that because it's a really well-done movie. I wish more people would have supported it. But uh, regardless, I loved it from start to finish. One of my favorites. Number three for me, Dr. Sleep. Number two, I'm going to talk about Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, You know, this movie is obviously one of the best of the year just for the cast alone with having Brad Pitt, Leo, um, you have Margot Robbie. There's just a ton of people. Al Pacino in this movie. Just a really great film uh, depicting the late 1960s and everything uh, going on in Hollywood and probably one of the most surprising endings of films this year. We were talking about earlier on the podcast, you watching it with your dad. And uh, it's a movie I'm going to keep watching over and over again and just falling in love with it. It's one of my favorite Tarantino flicks and definitely one of the best movies of the year if you haven't seen it. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, number two. Number one. Martin Scorsese returns with those wild rascals, the Irishmen. My favorite film of the year, no doubt, uh, having De Niro, Pesci, Pacino all working together on the big screen, having Harvey Keitel, uh, just a bunch of actors. Anyways, Frank Sheeran and Jimmy Hoffa, and uh, the story of them, and just a really fantastic movie. Super long, three and a half hours long, but it's a movie that keeps you invested. It's a really quiet movie. Um, It's really slow-paced at times, but it builds up towards the very end of the movie. And a movie you don't want to miss. My favorite flick of the year, for sure, The Irishman. So good. It's giving me chills just talking about it, Henry. I get chills. And then multiplying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like you mentioned, The Irishman. <laughs> Was it Danny Zuko? <laughs> so this is Henry Hill, and I'm going to be talking about my 10 or so favorite films of the year. Um, also, I'm going to preface this list by saying I haven't seen a crap load of movies and I honestly this list is probably not going to be very accurate but it's going to take me a while to to see the rest of these films that I haven't seen I'll mention some of those Um, I haven't seen Jojo Rabbit uh, 1917 I haven't seen Uncut Gems I didn't get to see The Lighthouse Uh, Motherless Brooklyn with Edward Norton Honey Boy with Shia LaBeouf Knives Out Richard Jewell, Parasite, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. So I missed all those. So this list, probably not going to be too accurate. I'm sure there's going to be some other films that I'd switch out of this list, but I'll just name the ones that I was able to see and that I really enjoyed this year. Um, So like you mentioned, The Irishman, it's got to be my favorite of the year. Just great performances. It was awesome to see the gang back together. You got De Niro, Pesci, Pacino. You got a great ensemble cast. So many actors that we know, 
and that have popped up on other shows. Um, it's awesome getting them back together. An epic movie, three and a half hours, which is also probably, you know, the thing that's going to, the only thing uh, about it is it's so long it's, and it commands your attention. It's going to be hard to rewatch it. You're going to have to have that time sketched out because it's a movie you're going to want to watch in one sitting and you're going to want to pay attention. Um, and that's my only problem with a rewatch is finding another three and a half hours to sit down and watch it again. I do want to do it. I just haven't had an opportunity yet. But uh, definitely, I know it was my favorite of the year. Even from the first time I watched it, there's a lot that I probably missed, and that's why I'm going to rewatch it. But, uh, yeah, definitely a great film, and it's going to win a bunch of awards, no doubt, um, come Academy Award time. Uh, we're probably going to see some a lot of nominations, and we're going to see some wins as well. So can't wait to see what it is able to win. And... Another film you mentioned in your list, the top ten. I'm not going to do them in any order, but I'm just going to read off my list. You actually mentioned a lot of these. We had a lot of the same picks. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Loved it. Great, rewatchable movie. It's about, I think it's between two hours and 50 minutes and two and a half hours long. So it's a little on the long side, but it's a movie that you can just kind of throw on. And even if you're not paying attention, you can always come back into the room and it'll be on a scene that's memorable. Rick fucking Dalton and Cliff Booth. They really were awesome characters. Quentin Tarantino did a good job creating uh, both of those characters. And I guess it's based on an actual stuntman. Um, you know, he followed around this big time actor back in the day and, you know, sort of took all the bumps and bruises for the main actor and the main actor got all the glory. Um, so it was a cool, cool story. Brutal ending that we've, you know, we've always seen from Quentin Tarantino. He has that seen in every movie where it's just like he makes your jaw drop and um, there's always something brutal happening <laughs> so definitely same here some awesome scenes with Brad Pitt beating the shit out of people and uh, we'll just say that the ending involves an acid dipped cigarette and a night out um, on the night of the Manson murders so if you guys haven't seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood definitely check it out it's one of the best of the year it's going to pick up some awards too some Academy Awards Great performance from Leo and Brad and a great ensemble cast, um, Margot Robbie. Great film, great soundtrack, one of the best of the year for sure. Another film that you mentioned that was on your list, Dr. Sleep. Didn't get a lot of love. I think they released it a week or two late. Should have released it before Halloween or right around Halloween. Any Anytime in October, I think this movie does better. It was very well done, a worthy sequel to The Shining. Um, I had listened to a good portion of the book, Dr. Sleep. It was very similar to that. They changed a few things. But like you mentioned, Rose the Hat was a great villain. Rebecca Ferguson was really great in the role. Um, cool story. Cool how they made it back to the Overlook. An older Danny played by Ewan McGregor. You got to see a lot of a lot of similar shots from The Shining. I mean, they even used some of the same footage. We got to see a uh, Jack Nicholson kind of impersonator at one point who looked very much like a young Jack Nicholson. Um, who'd you say that was played by? Henry Thomas, or was it C. Yeah, Thomas? Henry Thomas. I didn't even know that, but, yeah, the makeup was, was pretty good. I don't know as far as how they made him look like a young um, Jack Torrance. So it's just a cool movie, Dr. Sleep. It's one of those films where it's going to have a lot more life once it's out streaming and once it's out in 4k blu-ray 
Um, and we're both going to be getting a copy here pretty soon, I believe. But, well, is it a February release for that Blu-ray? I think we're going to be getting a copy in February. So I, so, I look yeah. forward to that because, yeah, it's going to come out with a extended cut. So a lot of the stuff that was cut out of the theatrical version from uh, Mike Flanagan, he said there's going to be an extra long three-hour cut. So I'm, I'm stoked for that. Awesome. Uh, the more the more the better, yeah, because the the book has a lot in it, and uh, it's one of those movies I think it would benefit from being a little longer just to flush some of the things that we saw out. Um, so yeah, Doctor Sleep, one of the, my favorite movies of the year. Um, Avengers Endgame, enough said on that. We can you know, talk about that all day, but uh, we pretty much covered everything. You know, epic conclusion to that whole twenty-some movie phase, uh, you know, one to four of the Marvel movies. They're all wrapped up, came to a head in that movie. Thanos lived up to being the big villain. Um, and, you know, we were there at the beginning with the first Avengers movie. We were there for Iron Man. We were, you know, we've seen all these movies and they really, they couldn't have done a better job like wrapping everything up and including everybody and that, like you mentioned, that climactic battle scene. Um, just yep. so awesome. Yep. And luckily for us, it's on uh, Disney Plus now. We can watch it whenever we want, along with the other Marvel movies, most of them, and then more will be dropping soon. So then we have the upcoming phase to look forward to. So that's awesome. Uh, you also mentioned Joker. Uh, I'm going to have to say that Joaquin Phoenix is definitely going to be nominated, and he'd be my favorite to win the uh, Best Actor. Gonna be, it's going to be a good little uh, group of actors in that. I expect to see De Niro. I expect to see, um, I don't know, especially going to be supporting. I don't know. Maybe he'll be Yeah, supporting. he'll be supporting. Yeah, probably. Um, yeah, definitely a thick field. Leo, um, there's going to be some good uh, picks for best actor, but Joaquin Phoenix, uh, you know, that's a performance of his lifetime for sure, and the Joker just totally goes insane on screen, and the result was the awesome film from Todd Phillips' Joker, which, you know, distances itself and set itself apart from all of Zack Snyder's stuff that he tried to, you know, ramp up the DC Universe. He tried Justice League and all that, and it just didn't work. You know, it didn't have any life to it. And then the Joker comes along, and it just shows you the decay morally of this. Like, you know, he's like a part-time up-and-coming, like, stand-up comic. He wants to be a comedian. He wants to be noticed. But, like, he doesn't even realize that he's, like, slowly, like, just becoming insane. <laughs> and there's a lot of uh, jaw-dropping scenes when he first kills somebody in it. There's a crazy scene with that. And then it leads all the way up until the ending. And then you just, you know, you finally see him uh, come down those stairs in that iconic scene. Um with the Joker, he's smoking a cigarette and he's jumping down the stairs and you get that classic shot along with that song, which I can't think of the name, but it's the one that we always heard a lot with the NBA back in the day with the Bulls. Yeah, exactly. Just a really cool scene with him going down the stairs in slow motion, smoking, not giving a fuck, just like anarchy. Joker, definitely a film that's going to be winning some awards for sure. And we'll have to see if there's going to be a sequel coming up with that. Made a lot of money, over a billion bu- billion dollars. So I expect that they're going to end up tying it in with the Batman universe. But honestly, they could have just like left it alone with Joker, and this is all you need. It's one of the best 
comic book inspired movies anyway. I wouldn't call it a comic book movie because it just feels like it's not really anything to do with comic books. It's just like watching Arthur Fleck go insane and he happens to turn into this clown, crazy clown guy. And, you know, as we know, he killed Bruce Wayne's parents. So I'm guessing that eventually we're going to see him with Robert Pattinson's Batman along the line. Uh, so we'll see. Another movie on my list that I don't think that you got a chance to see, but that everybody should check out on uh, Netflix with the man, the myth, the legend himself, Eddie Murphy, who just had his triumphant SNL return um, in a film from Craig Brewer called Dolomite is my name. I talked about this on a podcast, uh, you know, a month ago or so. I was telling you how much I enjoyed it. Really good film. Good. Uh, awesome film about this guy that pretty much, you know, independently made himself into a star. He was kind of struggling uh, musician and, you know, he always had these big dreams of being a star and he kind of like made everything happen for himself. He produced his own movies and records and comedy albums and became this larger than life character, uh, Dolomite, which is like huge in the, you know, African American community. And uh, it's just cool to see the story. There's a lot of good cameos from comedians um, Eddie Murphy is great in the role. It's one of his best roles in a very long time. Um, he's still got it. Like he, he's funny. He's, and I'm interested to see his upcoming stand-up stuff and his return. And we're going to see him in coming to America too later on this year. Can't wait for that. And we're supposed to get another Beverly Hills cop. So you guys definitely should check out Eddie Murphy's return and Dolomite is my name. It's streaming on Netflix. So if you guys need a movie to watch one of these weekends, I'd highly recommend that. I don't think you'll be disappointed. Uh, another movie on my list that you mentioned, Us, Jordan Peele's horror film. How could we not like that, right? We were, we've been to that boardwalk and down to Santa Cruz where everything was filmed there as far as the opening sequence. Um, I got so, five on it. Just another original Horror film from Jordan Peele. Can't wait to see what he's going to do next. Um, I know he's, I think he's producing Candyman. I don't think that's actually his directorial. Yeah, I think he's producing it. I think it's, yeah, I think he's producing it. So, yeah, another awesome movie from that man. He's, you know, so far two for two. And I'll mention Ford vs. Ferrari. You mentioned that again. We have a lot of the same picks because uh, a lot of the times I asked you how a movie was and you said definitely go see it. This was another pick you said. I asked you if I should go see Ford vs. Ferrari, and you recommended it, and I was happy you did. It was a great film. Christian Bale and Matt Damon had a lot of good chemistry. I uh, love all the race scenes, and even the like characters on the side were all good. Uh, G- uh, John Bernthal as Lee Iacocca, uh, and then the head of the head of uh, Ford. That guy was good in the role. I can't think of the actor's name. Um, but just really cool story. James Mangold comes. Of course, everybody knows him from Logan. Basically, they wanted to build a car that could compete with Ferrari uh, at Ford. So they hire Matt Damon's character, uh, Carol Shelby, and he finds the driver and Christian Bale. He's like the best. He's the best of the best. So he knows if he can pair a great sports car with the best driver, that they're gonna it's gonna give them the best chance at beating Ferrari finally in this in this yearly race. Um, and they you know they want Ford to. Ford's kind of struggling, and they want something to boost the company's morale and to get them back on track and get people loving their automobiles. And they do it through these races. Um, but yeah, Ford vs. Ferrari is a really good film. Like I said, Christian Bale and Matt Damon, awesome in their roles. 
that fight scene between them when they're like neither of them can really like throw a punch or anything they're sort of like throwing haymakers barely like hitting each other and just end up like tackling each other on the ground like christian bale has yep. some, like gross groceries in his hand they like fall out of his hand it's like right in front of his house um just a funny scene a couple other films that i'll mention el camino uh premiered on on netflix um very awesome film Nowhere near as, like, epic as Breaking Bad, like, you know, as far as, like, the major storyline of Breaking Bad. Um, it was cool to see where Jesse went from that finale, um, and it was it was awesome how they tied everything up, and you got to see Jesse's journey after what happened and sort of tied up some loose ends. Uh, it's just really well done. You can tell it was a Vince Gilligan-directed uh, film, and it was awesome to see Jesse's character back again. He had a great performance as Jesse Pinkman all these years later. Uh, of course, you know, it's, it's taken place right after the finale, so a lot of the actors that they got back from the the show, you know, of course, look different. It's been years since the show, especially some of these actors haven't been on since some of the early seasons, so it's been a really long time. So they looked a little different, but just nitpicking. It was definitely one of the best films of the year, El Camino. Check that out if you guys haven't, especially if you're Breaking Bad fans. It's It's a nice little send-off for the character of Jesse, who we all know and love, and it was cool to see how his character, his arc and where he ends up. Very well done. Uh, another DC movie that came out this year that we both really enjoyed, Shazam, with Zach Levi. I thought it was a very cool, like, light-hearted one. You know, we got a lot of serious superhero movies. That's been the theme lately. This one was very light-hearted. A lot of uh, callbacks to the movie Big with Tom Hanks. Of course, this kid, you know, he basically becomes Shazam. He gets magical powers, and, you know, he does all this crazy shit. He can fly. He's basically kind of like Superman, but uh, cracks jokes and stuff just because he's a teenager. But he has, like, this big superhero behemoth body. (laughs) Um, And then Mark Strong played the villain. Kind of the same old villain that you've seen and everything. Nothing. It didn't break any new ground, but it was just like, I, I liked how they made it more lighthearted and more like a kind of a teen kind of superhero movie. Yeah, I was surprised about that too. I'm like, it was, I went in with low expectations and I, it was like one of my favorites of the year too. Had a really great time with it. Didn't know much about Shazam's character, but I thought uh, his chemistry with the kid from uh, It, um, Eddie from It, yeah. and they were really great together. A lot of great comedy in the, in the movie and definitely one of the better DC standalone films. And then we have, from that success, that movie's success, we have uh, Black Adam coming out with uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. So it'll be within that kind of universe, and then eventually they're going to be in the same film, I guess, Shazam and Black Adam. So not only will we get that, we'll get another Shazam. They're already, they've already greenlighted a sequel, so we'll be getting more, more Shazam to come that was successful at the box office. And uh, another another film that I saw this year that I wanted to throw up on my list of, you know, some of the best of the year, John Wick 3, Parabellum. Just, um, not my favorite of the franchise or anything, but it's, it, it wasn't any worse than the others. They're all pretty similar. This one had some awesome action sequences. Um, just balls-to-the-wall action. Keanu Reeves is awesome in the role. He really sells it as far as, like, the stunts and everything and all the fighting and crazy, like, hand-to-hand combat scenes. Really cool to see up on the big screen. I got to see that one with my brother when he was visiting from Florida this summer, so that was cool to go see that movie um, on the big screen. So 
So a lot of good movies this year in 20 and 2019. Like I said, I didn't get to see a lot of them, so I'm looking forward to watching some of those movies that I mentioned earlier that I never got a chance to. Um, another another good movie that I'll mention, Marriage Story. I got to see that um, with yeah, Adam that Driver and Scarlett, Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, I, I like Noah Baumbach's movie. He he makes those serious kind of movies with, you know, it's not just like a, you know, it feels more real than other movies. It makes it like realistic and you believe the characters are married. Like Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson really sold, you know, I really – their performances were great as a couple. It really made you believe that they were an actual couple and it made it realistic as far as, you know, how me and you and how we interact with our wives on a daily basis, the kind of small stuff that you get into fights about sometimes and the intricacies of a relationship, especially over time, you know, you know, think people grow up, they change a little bit and sometimes relationships aren't 100% great all the time. You gotta, it's got its rough patches. Um, but yeah, a really well done uh, movie, Marriage Story, with Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson. That one's on Netflix. That'll probably get Adam Driver a nomination. When I was thinking about earlier, the actors add oh, really? Adam Driver to the list too. Yeah, it's, he, he's phenomenal in it. Really. A few other movies, some honorable mentions for me that I didn't put on my top ten. A movie I just watched uh, that I absolutely loved, The Sassy Brothers, uh, follow up to Good Time. I'm talking about Uncut Gems. Bringing back Adam Sandler to acting, phenomenal film. He was so fucking good in this role, playing this jeweler in New York and placing all these really bad bets around town. And you got people coming after him, bookies and uh, loan sharks and things like that. He just keeps pissing away money and bigger bets to get more money. And it brings an aspect of the stone he gets from uh, Ethiopia called the Black Opal, and it's worth like a million bucks. And he, like, passes it off to Kevin Garnett, and, you know, uses that as a good luck charm kind of thing when he's playing for the Celtics in the playoffs. So it has this, like, a really expensive stone or gem and uh, sets up the rest of the movie. Just really high stakes on the edge of your seat, you know, full anxiety. You're not, you're not, you don't know what's going to happen. And it just re- really keeps you guessing to the very end of the movie. Uh, one of my favorites of the year, for sure. Um, and I thought Adam Sandler was fantastic. Not really funny at all, just like a straight-up dramatic role for him, serious role, and he did a good job. He played a, a really, you know, douchebag, scumbag, jewelry store owner. Like, he played it really well. He had, like, a little diamond <laughs> earring. And, like, a, a typical New Yorker, like how I think of, like, New York, like, people like that and, like, <laughs> you know, scumbags and trying to make money and gambling. And it just was really well done. I love the Safety Brothers. Um, I think it's even better than their other movie, Good Time. Honestly, it was just really great. A little long. It was like two hours and 15 minutes, but uh, that's my only complaint about it. Just a really good movie. A movie I highly recommend if you guys have not seen it, Uncut Gems. It's playing in theaters now. They open on Christmas Day. Sounds like me and Uncle Ryan should go see Uncut Gems like we've been wanting to. Hopefully it starts yeah. playing around here. Otherwise, we're going to have to make a trip in the Springfield. Yeah, you guys should. I'm telling you, it's it's a good flick, man. Yeah. It's good uh, high stakes, you know, heist movie and um, really bad people in New York, and seeing Sandler actually in a good role is, is pretty awesome at the same time. I was going to say, I listened to a podcast, I think it was an A24 podcast, it was the Safety Brothers, and they were talking with uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, who directed Sandler and like Punch Drunk Love and stuff, so he's, you know, had this serious Sandler too, so they all like had a discussion, it was pretty interesting, like a 30-minute podcast. They were oh, talking about awesome. the making of Uncut Gems and, yeah, about the story. So I kind of 
you know, going in, I'll have a little background on the story and stuff and about how Sandler's character is, uh, you know, who they modeled it after. And, yeah, it sounds it sounds like it's a cool movie. I really want to check it out. Hopefully it'll play around here. Uh, ready or not, Samara Weaving, uh, revenge kind of thing. It's a game of – a deadly game of hide-and-seek. She gets married to her family. They're trying to kill her throughout the night. Really badass. She's like a, the – the new Scream Queen. I can't wait to see her in more flicks, but she was fantastic and Ready or Not. Really great horror flick. Uh, if you guys haven't seen it, check it out. Um, another horror flick that I really enjoyed that uh, really dived at my fears being Florida and Alligators. I'm talking about Crawl that came out er- earlier this year. One of my favorite flicks. Uh, really terrified me, scared me, kept me on that to my seat because I hate <laughs> alligators. And a uh, really great flick of, you know, a hurricane hitting Florida gators are basically on the prowl in the water, you know, water seeping into houses and things like that. And um, this family come across them, the monsters, really great monster flick, creature feature. Um, and, uh, you know, the last movie I highly recommend checking out if you're not seen crawl. Yeah. And last uh, but not least, we're going to talk about Rise of Skywalker, the last installment in the Skywalker saga, Star Wars. Uh, we saw it right before Christmas or that Thursday night it opened. Went in with super low expectations, had a really, really great time with it. Um, because at that point I was seeing a Star Wars movie and I'm not going to listen to what the critics were saying. Sit back, relax, enjoy it, have a good time, and I absolutely did. I loved the arcs of Kylo Ren, of, of Rey, uh, bringing in Palpatine, and then the very end, the last shot of the film, which was a really great send-off for Star Wars and the future of Star Wars. I thought it was a really great flick. And uh, one of the better ones of the year, not my top ten, but I gave it a four out of five. So I had a good time with it. I enjoyed it. What do you think, Henry? I'm with you, man. I, you know, my expectations had went down just following the initial reactions of it. But, you know, I went in trying not to nitpick everything. I just wanted to watch an enjoyable, entertaining movie. And, you know, Force Awakens, I liked it better than The Last Jedi. So, you know, I was ready for J.J. Abrams to wrap everything up. Um, but he had a lot of, you know, he had a lot of, uh, things to do and to wrap up and I thought he did a good job as far as trying to wrap up the whole nine film saga really because we got callbacks to the original trilogy even we got it was full of nostalgia the way it opened up I thought was really awesome they didn't make you they didn't you know take time to say oh well here we're slowly going to show you Palpatine it was like right away you found out Palpatine is still alive uh, action to begin the movie like the first 30 minutes are like boss to the hall action. Kylo Ren's killing people. Ray and Kylo Ren. You know, it's just some awesome. The visuals were amazing. Like I thought it was the, one of the best looking. I'd probably say the best looking of the new trilogy um, as far as all the awesome action pieces. And when they're out on the destroyer out in the water and it's like the waves are crashing and they're having a lightsaber battle on top of it i was happy with it dude i you know there are things that they should have added in you know it's not perfect by any means i've listened to some other podcasts i listened to the kevin smith podcast where they're talking about you know you can pick it to death but if you just went in just for an enjoyable movie and you weren't like you weren't going to be you weren't going to be like well if this if this movie doesn't give me this then that I'm out, that I'm going to hate this movie. If you went in just being like, well, this is the end. Let's see how they tie everything together and just, like, enjoy it for what it was. It was awesome. Loved all the nostalgia, all the throwbacks. Yep, all the fan service. It was all well mm-hmm. worth the wait, and I thought they did. J.J. Abr- Abrams did a really great job with the finale. 
and um, you know everything that happens to these characters and where it could possibly go in the future. So really well done. Uh, surpassed my expectations because those were pretty low, and I had a great time with it. You know, walked out of the theater with a smile on my face, and that's what I love Star Wars. Why I love Star Wars since I was a kid. You know, just taking you away to another galaxy, have some fun for a few hours, get away from life, and that's what it's all about. For sure, man. That's what it's all about. You know, go to the movies to get your mind off everything else and just have a good time and enjoy what you're watching. And Rise of Skywalker it was the last one, and the Skywalker saga was going to be the last time we saw a lot of these characters. We got to see Lando again. We got to see the return of Palpatine. We got the big reveal of who Ray's, you know, who who are Ray's parents, basically. Where does she come from? We find out. We find out that there's some more powers that we haven't seen before within this universe. We find out Leia was trained by Luke to be a Jedi. We find out she has her own lightsaber. A lot of awesome things, like and it's uh it's a movie that you're gonna want to watch again because a lot of things I was listening to on the podcast uh, they were talking about INS like I didn't I didn't even realize it was like things that they went over in the movie but that were callbacks to the the original trilogy and the other films um, there's a, a lot of things that I missed uh, just from hearing their discussion on it so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it again definitely a film that I look forward to watching again right away soon as I can. Whether I'm going to be able to see it again in the theaters, I don't know. Probably not, but it shouldn't take long for it to show up on Disney Plus probably by the summer, I'd imagine. Yeah, for sure. I can't wait. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be buying that. Probably the whole Star, uh, Star Wars um, complete uh, collection when that comes out. You know they're going to be putting it out in 4K. I'm going to be oh, picking yeah. that up for the collection, rewatching it because I had a great time with it. Not only did we get Rise of Skywalker, we also got the conclusion to The Mandalorian Season 1 um, with that final Eighth episode, I believe, there were eight episodes. And I thought that last episode was the best of the season. Gave us everything, gave us the action, gave us Baby Yoda, gave us answers. Who's under the, who's under the helmet? Some good cameos there in the beginning. Jason Sudeikis was the storm, stormtrooper. <laughs> yeah. In the backpack. That was pretty funny. Much, yeah, they're, just like having some, they're just having some mundane conversation. I thought that was pretty funny in the beginning there. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't notice it after watching that the first time. I had to rewatch it. I'm like, oh, yeah, it does sound like Jason yeah. today because talking. So. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. definitely the best episode. It was titled Redemption. Uh, a lot of answers. We got a lot of answers to questions we had. We got to see, you know, Pedro Pascal unmasked without the helmet. Um, it's, you know, the future of the Mandalorian, where they're going to go with this in season two in 2020. Uh, really fantastic ending. One of the best shows of the year for sure. I was surprised how fucking good it was each week. Um, you know, uh, putting out great content, you know, that spaghetti western feel to it, uh, introducing them, the Mandalorian bounty hunter, and a lot of, you know, species, characters, creatures across the galaxy that we came across, and just really well done. John Favreau's the man starting up the MCU, uh, creating a, a classic Christmas movie, being Elf, and then kickstarting this new universe of Star Wars, the Mandalorian. He's dude's talented. I can't wait to see what he does for the future of Star Wars movies and TV shows. He's definitely coming to his own from the early days. Of course, Swingers when he was acting. Swingers. <laughs> yeah, very young. Like, yeah, that character was cool. Just watching them all, like, uncomfortable and, like, awkward around girls. <laughs> and we saw him in The Sopranos <laughs> even in that episode where he was a young director. And he had some great scenes with oh, Christopher. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. So he was even involved in the greatest television ever, too. So... No stranger to good projects. Um, yeah. 
his movie Chef. I love that movie. That's one of his. One That's of a favorites. great fucking movie. So yeah, I'm, I'm very happy with how the season turned out. I can't wait for season two. I'm sure it's gonna it's gonna increase the stakes. Um, there's gonna be some awesome reveals. Maybe we'll finally learn what's uh, what the name of uh, the little uh, baby Yoda's like race is because we've never even like found out like what that's uh yeah what they're called what they are anything, you know what i mean yeah what they are exactly and then we saw spoilers we saw pedro pascal finally under the helmet are we going to see more of that so are we gonna, is he going to take off the helmet more going forward because apparently uh a lot of the when you when it shows him in the helmet on, on the screen and everything he's not really in the suit as a stunt person so right yeah he'll, uh, he'll be involved more but i mean he did a good job just from his talking roles Everything. I thought the droids that they had were really cool. The new droids, the new characters that we saw. Uh, Carl Weathers' character was interesting. And you got Giancarlo Esposito surviving that wreck at the end of the eighth episode. And then he has a he has that the dark uh, the dark lightsaber, which is really awesome when he cuts through the Tie Fighter at the end. But he should be a, a, a villain that's going to be coming back and featuring prominently in the second season. And of course. Um, Gina Carano's character. We'll see. There are a lot of good cameos this year. Uh, Bill Burr and some other comedians that I noticed. Um, so yeah, The Mandalorian season one. I've, I'm gonna give it a. Let's see. I'll give it a four out of five air pieces overall. Yeah, I'm gonna give it the first season of Mandalorian on Disney Plus. I'm gonna give it a four and a half out of five. Really, no complaints. There's a few episodes were a bit slow at times, but overall, it was just a solid, yeah. solid show across the board from start to finish. All different directors people associated with the show and uh i thought it was just one of the best of the year for sure mandalorian check it out if you've not seen it binge watch it but only eight episodes or half an hour long so that's going to wrap everything up here from cinefella studios in episode 57 of cinefella's podcast this is in harvey hill and i've been joined here by my good buddy logan myers don't forget about big hey, rays boys get your oil change and a big slab of ribs over at big rays in jacksonville Illinois. Love you, wild rascals. Until next time, boys. We'll see you on the next pod. This podcast has been sponsored by Big Ray's Barbecue Emporium and Automotive Services. If you need to get filled up by meat, stop by Big Ray's there in Jacksonville, Illinois, for all your meat sweat needs and big pieces of meat in your mouth. Love us, boys.